Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Welcome to the really big show. We're in our usual motley assortment of malcontents, curmudgeons, and pundits from the HHW LOD Network. Talk pop culture, movies, TV, video games, and ever so much more. It's the really big show, or as we refer to it, really BS. And now, let's start the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the really BS show, episode number seven, and uh, kind of some interesting things going on here. Uh, first of all, I'd like to introduce my compatriots this evening, Mr. Jordan from Jersey, and we're about to anoint him and initiate him, uh, much in the same way they initiated Kevin Bacon in Animal House, <laughs> uh, into the ways of deutery. Uh, Mr. Chub Toad, Sheldon. Should we just call you Chubby, Chubbs? Chubster, Chub Toad. Chub Toad's fine. Chub, Richard, Rick, whatever. E- evil clone of Kevin Smith? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Chub Toad's been doing uh, the Nerd Herd podcast for, you know, since the late 70s. And, uh, <laughs> since their their studio burned down and their, you know, their radio broadcasting tower was uh, destroyed by the CIA... Uh, he's decided to join up with us uh, for a little while and stay, stay, keep on the, you know, the down low. So, welcome to the club. Buddy. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I've been listening for a long time, so I, f- I feel like I've been a part of the club all along. That's awesome. I um, here's here's the key to the executive washroom. <laughs> Please help yourself uh, to you know some interns out of petty cash. Sweet. And uh, don't don't use don't use the toilet that I have marked. That's my special spot. Okay, okay no problem. I know we've gotten uh, the introductions out of the way really quick. I, uh, I, I turn it to a little bit of a serious note, and then we'll get right back to the BS that you know and love from us. Um, just a couple days ago, uh, Friday actually, as we're recording on Sunday night, uh, we lost uh, Jamie Delsandro of the Comic Geek Speak podcast. And if you've never listened to that podcast, uh, they were one of the first comics podcasts out there, like back when podcasting was a new uh, thing. And it was one of the first... Like when I got back into the hobby about ten years ago, they were kind of my guide uh, back into the hobby. And Jamie D, Jamie Delessandro was uh, uh, him and I had a very similar uh, tastes. We were about the same age, so uh, a lot of the comics that he you know loved in his childhood were comics I grew up with as well. Um, if it weren't for the C- for Jamie D and the CGS uh, forums, there would have been no Legion of Dudes. There would have been no Half Hour Wasted. Uh, no Taylor Network, uh, most of the podcasts, a lot of the comics podcasts you listen to spun out of those forums, uh, 11 O'Clock Comics, uh, Around Comics, Comic Timing, uh, most of the great, really good po- comics podcasts on iTunes and out there right now uh, were spun out of the CGS forums, and, uh, and we all owe Jamie a, a debt of gratitude, he was a very kind and gentle soul and a good friend of the hobby, and uh, loved loved comics and was always in in this time when we see a lot of like geek divisiveness and uh, haters ball type uh, stuff going on between geeks and you know uh, fake fake girl geeks and fake geeks and everything. He was always very accepting uh, to everyone because I mean he remembered back when it was uh, kind of a stigma to be a geek. You know, kind of you get your books dumped or whatever. You know, but uh, he was a very very kind and gentle guy, and uh, I was I was lucky enough to meet him a few times. And every time he, I was uh, always impressed by uh, just his manner. He's just a very cool guy and very erudite, very smart too. Um, so, 
just wanted to shout out his friends and family and um, everybody in the podcasting community who, who knew and loved Jamie. Um, happy trails, buddy. Definitely. We'll be missed, sir. Absolutely. Well, let's start talk about something that's not quite as big a disaster. Um, we've all seen some movies lately, have we not? Yes, we have. I think we've all three of us seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which just came out this past right. week. Right, and we will be doing a Real Heroes episode on it, which will go a little more in-depth. But until that time, uh, until such time as we get that out, let's just you know give a, a general review. I'll let you guys go first. I was mildly disappointed by the movie, and I, I, I want to stress the word mildly. And that was mostly because my expectations were so high. I really liked The Amazing Spider-Man. I know I'm somewhat in the minority on that one, but I, I love Andrew Garfield in the role. I love Emma Stone in it and S- Sally Field. All three of them were fantastic, and I was super excited about this one. I, I will say that they remained, all three of them, fantastic, great chemistry in the second one. Some of the acting choices by the villains in particular, though, really didn't ring true to me. And there's some mild pacing issues, not like a Man of Steel level, not not that bad, but some of the pacing is a little off. I still liked it, it's still a pretty good movie, and I'd certainly watch it before I'd rewatch any of the Raimi films, but I I wanted more out of it. Yeah, I, I have to agree, I mean, I'm in the minority as well, as I, I'm one of those that I enjoy Andrew Garfield in this role more than I do uh, Tobey Maguire. Not that I minded those earlier films. I thought that they were good, with the exception of three, which had a plethora of problems. But uh, Amazing Spider-Man was a very f- a refreshing uh, start for this ca- restart for this character for me. And my expectations were pretty high going into this. And I got to say that a lot of my expectations were met, but it felt a little overstuffed with uh, with characters. Uh, those uh, it, it just felt more like a seed that they planted for their Sinister Six film that they've talked about doing and things like that, um, which kind of created some of those pacing issues, at least for me, because being a person that has spent 42 years loving Spider-Man, I know a lot about the canon of the universe that Spider-Man and everything that is involved. And so when I would see you know, the Smythe or, or the Felicia Hardy or, and things like that. I was paying more close attention to that and kind of missed the forest for the trees because I, I was, you know, what are they going to do? What what should I be paying attention to here? And so that kind of threw me off a little bit. So that added to some disappointment. But by the time they got around to the climactic point of the film, which I don't know if we can spoil right now, so I'll just leave it as a generality. Um, I thought they paid a good homage to those couple of issues of Spider-Man from 1973, and uh, and and I enjoyed the ending. I, I I'm not too sure how I feel about the Rhino's outfit. I guess is the best way to put it, but uh, I like the whole scene with Spidey and the kid. Uh, facing the rhino. I thought that was very well done. Overall, I would say it's probably 3.75 to a 4 for me. And that's and that's given it a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm trying to look past the problems. I wrote a review that's on the Taylor Network of Podcasts, uh, if anybody, or uh, in that group on Facebook, if anybody wants to read it. Uh, I'll move it over to the HHWLOD Network uh, Facebook page, too. But, I mean, I thought it was kind of a mixed bag, but I thought the positive outweighed the negative. Um, positive side, I love Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. He really brings the kind of joy that was missing in the Raimi Spider-Man or the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. 
Um, I mean, when he's Spider-Man, he's having fun, and that's the Spider-Man I know and love from the comics. So um, I, I really like that. I like the chemistry between him and Emma Stone. I thought that was good. I, I even liked the new uh, the new Harry Osborn. I thought he was decent. Um, then again, on the other on the other uh, side of the spectrum, we've got Jamie Foxx doing some sort of weird mashup of uh, uh, Urkel and Rupert Pupkin. Uh, <laughs> it's just I don't know. It, it reminded me of like the nerdy character that Jim Carrey played in Batman forever before he became the Riddler. You know what I mean? Just kind of an over-the-top caricature of a nerd. You know what I mean? Um, and the way he becomes Electro would fit easily in a Schumacher Batman movie. I mean, come on. I'm not going to go into detail, but you guys know what I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. Um, I mean, that doesn't bother me. I mean, that feels... I mean, for a movie about a guy who was bitten by a radioactive spider, you know, a guy who's bitten by a bunch of radioactive or, you know, genetically altered eels, you know, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of... The way they, they kind of did it was kind of goofy with, uh, you know... I, like I said, I don't want to spoil it, whatever. The the tone of the movie, too, kind of took a lot of turns for me. At one Some points it seemed kind of campy, and at other points it seemed like it was being really serious, and at other times it seemed like it was trying to be a rom-com and, uh, you know, those, those kind of, uh, transitions kind of jarred me. And then there were a few times where I had to make some really big leaps of logic. Like I'm not, I won't, I won't spoil it, but the, the reveal on the whole Roosevelt thing with the, right. the what, what he finds, yeah, I, I know what you're that, about. Eh, it was a bit much. Um, I don't know, but overall I, I thought the positive outweighed the negative. The action scenes were great. I thought the first 15 minutes were like perfect. You know, the whole action sequence oh, yeah. with the radioactivity oh, yeah. and the way that was all blocked out and choreographed and the kind of funny part where he's, like, juggling all the different, you know, radioactive dealies and stuff. I thought that was the first, like, 10 to 15 minutes of that was perfect. Um, it just kind of... And, and some of the great uh, action scenes were really great. I mean, they were, it wasn't cluttered. It didn't look too CGI-y, you know? But um, uh, on the overall, I, I give it a 3 out of 5. I thought it was overall more positive than negative. Um I don't know. I saw it in 2D. I don't know. Did you guys see it in 3D or 2D? I saw it in 3D. I, I really love the POV stuff, the Spidey um, point of view stuff. That's probably oh, my yeah. favorite part of the whole movie. Um, just seeing the way they were able to, to do that and not just have it be a big blur. You know, you were able to like figure out what you're looking at and stuff like that. I just thought that was really, uh, really cool. So, Okay, we should probably, like I said, we're doing a Real Heroes episode on it pretty soon. So the that's the short and sweet version of that. Uh, I have two movies I wanted to shout out really quick. I don't know if you guys have seen either of them. The first is The Raid 2, which is the sequel to the um, the um, Asian action flick that came out a couple years ago. Uh, this one's called Raid, The Raid 2 Barrendal. And it is the best action movie I've seen all year so far. It is just incredible. Waldo, if you like Hong Kong style crime action movies, if you're into the old school John Woo stuff, like The Killer and A Better Tomorrow and all that, this is a throwback to that. It's just kinetic. It's great action is it's just intense the storyline you know it's very dramatic and it works very well um it just kind of blew me away i thought it was really great um the other movie i wanted to shout out really quick is a documentary that's on netflix right now called milius about john milius the uh, director and screenwriter uh basically if you've if you ever seen big lebowski uh, John Goodman's character is kind of based on John Milius. He wrote Apocalypse Now. He wrote and directed Conan the Barbarian. He wrote the classic uh, Robert Shaw speech in, about the USS Indianapolis in Jaws. Uh, he came up in film school with George Lucas and, and Steven Spielberg, and there are all these like all these mythos like grew up around him. Uh, all these stories he just is this outrageous guy, uh, but he's done like all this great work in in, in movies over the years. Um, 
you know, directing and writing and, and whatnot. Um, great stories. They interview, you know, Lucas Spielberg, uh, a, a lot of other people uh, in this, uh, Harrison Ford, Ed O'Neill, like a lot of people he's worked with over the years, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, just a really fascinating uh, guy. If you're into Hollywood at all, especially 70s, 80s Hollywood, and any of the movies I mentioned, I mean, I'm a huge Apocalypse Now fan, Conan the Barbarian fan. I love those movies. So um, this is a really, really interesting documentary. It's on Netflix streaming right now. Uh, it's called Milius, and it's all about John Milius, the director and screenwriter. Yeah, someone at work told me about that the other day, and I added it to my Netflix queue, but I have not watched that yet. It looks... He tells this story about how him and Coppola were in a studio with Martin Sheen, and Martin Sheen was recording the voiceover for Apocalypse Now. You know, Saigon. I can't believe I'm still in Saigon. That whole bit. And they didn't like the way he was doing it. So Milius pulls out this 44 uh, uh, pistol, puts it on the desk, and tells Martin Sheen to read the script, uh, the script in one hand and the gun in the other. And Martin Sheen's like this total pacifist, you know, activist guy from the 60s, you know. He's probably never held a gun before in his life. And that just keeping him uneased by holding on to that gun was enough to put the edge in his voice that they wanted for that voiceover. So it's that kind of story that I really dig, you know. And this movie, this documentary is full of stuff like that. Didn't, so. didn't he have a heart attack while they were filming that? I think he did. He ended up having a stroke just a few years ago. Because like, that um, would probably explain why. It's a, it's a it's a really amazing documentary. It's a, well really, and it's a part of film history that like I'm interested in that whole you know USC film school group from the '70s that have pretty much defined movies for the past twenty or thirty years. It's, it's kind of fascinating, and he was definitely one of that group, one of that breed. So yeah, I've heard nothing but good stuff about the documentary, but I have not checked it out quite yet. There's some great stories, and uh, he was talking about how it'd be easier to train uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to to um, act like Conan than it would be to find an actor and beef him up to look like Conan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger said, like he was the first director he ever worked with was John Milius, really, and and all all Schwarzenegger said was, you know, just tell me what to do, what to say, and where to stand, and Milius just smiled and just you know did that kind of directing, you know. Yeah, I just listened to the Nerdist podcast interview of Schwarzenegger a few weeks ago, and he talks a lot about how he owes so much to him. And I, maybe that's where I first heard about this this uh, documentary. Yeah, but it's super sweet. Check it out. If, if you're a movie buff at all, listeners, you'll, you'll dig it. Anybody else see any other movies? Lately? Well, if you're talking about documentaries on Netflix... Um, Hey, whatever. Any movie is a fair game. <laughs> well, I just it it made me think of uh, the other day. I was listening to an interview with John Delancey, and uh, uh, he talks about you know uh, the, the My Little Pony experience that he's had doing the voicing of those characters and the and seeing this um, revolution in attitudes from. Uh, kids all the way up to male adults in response to the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic cartoon and and he produced through Kickstarter funds he produced a documentary that's on Netflix called Bronies and it it deep dives into fandom which you can kind of see some of the parallels that, that these guys go through to uh, uh, to what we go through as comic book fans and movie fans and things like that but uh, it, it goes through the whole um, culture of this phenomenon that's happened um, where a little girl's cartoon show has turned into this, like I said, culture of, of male adults that have embraced it and basically 
you know, no one really gets it. And it kind of reminds me of what, you know, I went through in the late 80s, early 90s as a comic nerd, Uh, you know, constantly uh, getting berated and and, uh, misunderstood for my fandom of things that most adults don't get. So it's a it's a pretty interesting documentary. Uh, I was kind of surprised uh, as much uh, to well, I was surprised when I went back and I decided sure it's on Netflix and I watched the first uh, couple episodes of that uh, My Little Pony and yeah, I can kind of get where those guys were coming from. I wouldn't categorize myself as a brony, but uh, it was interesting. Not yet, anyway. Not, no. <laughs> It's interesting to me. It's like that's one of the. Um, I, I'd probably think like that, and maybe LARPing, and like a few other like geek disciplines still kind of, you know, are on the low end of the geek totem pole. Even you know, what I mean, even looked down upon by other geeks. Is whereas you know, like just ten or fifteen years ago, if you read comic books, you're in that. You know, if you're like the Avengers, you're in that group. Or you know what I mean? Right. It, it's one of those few things that kind of has those geeky that still has geeky stigma attached to it. You know, oh, you're a brony. Wow, this stuff is insanely um, popular. Um, yeah, I would have never thought Delancey was talking about in this interview. He was just, you know, I voiced this character, and it was months later, I come down to check my email, and suddenly I've just got all these emails talking about uh, bronies and ponies and all this stuff, and he had to turn to his wife and be like, when did I do anything with this? And she's like, you remember you voiced it, uh, you know, and he's like, oh, okay. And then, I mean, it went from that, he just, it was a throwaway job he did for a paycheck and now it's turned into something that he's uh driving force behind so it's it's interesting i haven't watched a ton of movies i rewatched a band called death because uh jersey shore is going to be covering that very oh, cool. soon it was a great doc. oh a lot of fun a lot of fun uh, we're covering that for our netflix series uh, what else have i watched recently um couple random things, but nothing that really sticks out. I've, I've been more catching up on TV recently, uh, caught up with Game of Thrones, caught up on Mad Men, um, and lo- lots of working and, and and video games and that kind of yeah. stuff, but uh, not as many well, this movies. this is a BS show. Let's shift gears. I mean, I've been watching a lot of TV myself. Are you uh, guys current with Orph- Orphan Black? Well, the new season? I have not watched last night's episode yet, but other than that, yes, I am current, and I love that show. I'm, I love her, and I love that oh, show. Oh, yeah. She oh, yeah. is so awesome. I cannot believe like the acting job she does on that. Kind of blows me away. Yeah, she, in in order for did you watch the it was a, a couple it was a Saturday before they kicked the season off. They had like a little half hour, maybe it was an hour show hosted by Will Wheaton that they had all the no, I'm oh sorry. yeah it was it was the Saturday before it launched and it, they just had her out there and just talking. Just listening to her discuss how she gets into each character and how she's able to uh, distinguish what she ha- what mannerisms she has to do at this time versus that time and just different. It, it's pretty amazing listening to the headspace that she has to get into. She has different uh, pieces of music that she'll she'll uh, cue up in her iPod before she gets ready to go on scene for for different characters uh, that kind of get her in this in the mode. I I find it amazing, like, when she plays one of the characters disguising herself as another one of the characters. I mean... Or when she has a scene where she's playing against herself. Oh, yeah. You know, like, two or three of them in one one scene together. It blows my mind. Yeah, that show, I I remember when it was, when it came out, I was like, eh, I'll I'll check it out. It's because it came on right after 
right after or right before Doctor Who. And so I was like, I'll check it out. And uh, I, I instantly fell in love with that show. That show is amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who recommended it to me, but I, after I watched the first couple episodes, I was I was hooked. Um, let's see, what else have I seen lately? I did watch uh, the... Oh, I, I wanted to mention they, they, uh, they canceled one of my favorite shows on Fox, so Almost Human. Oh, I was so upset when I saw that. That show oh, is fantastic. Show. Oh, I agree. Um, first of all, Carl Urban is a way underrated actor. Uh, he no he doubt. he brings it in almost everything he's in. Even that movie Priest that I really didn't like the movie at all. I loved his acting and his character in it. He was even good in Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, yeah. That that tells you how good he is because that movie was right. a toilet, and he was he was even good in that. But. This is a classic Fox blunder, just like they did with Alcatraz, just like they did with Firefly. Uh, when are they going to learn that they need to give their genre-specific shows more than a, a year or a one season to really build? Especially when you're putting it on Monday night against Monday night football and things like that. I mean, it they they have set up their genre shows to fail more often than not. I'm surprised Fringe lasted as long as it did because they kept shoving it to Friday nights and everything else. Um, I, You know, Fox needs to, to get... get. I, I don't know what they're looking at because it's not just ratings alone because uh, do, you, do either of you uh, subscribe to Hulu Plus? Yeah. You know how it has the yes, top watch shows this week or whatever it's called? Right, right, most popular. Uh, mm-hmm. Almost Human was on there yep. constantly. So Shield's been Shield's been on there constantly too and it's been disappointing in the ratings. Exactly. So I mean, they've got to get away from I understand advertisers are looking at the 18 to 49 from those ratings, but you know, I watch Hulu Plus. I watch a lot of shows on there, even though I DVR them as well. It just depends on when I get to them. And I don't mind those two to three commercials that they throw in there, especially whenever it does ask me, is are these relevant to you and things like that. So I, I just don't understand why the advertising community hasn't started to take more uh, appreciation of what people are watching on these streaming services. I mean, today in this culture, we're going towards entertainment as a la carte. It's no longer a scheduled thing. Right. It's more, and it's more and more, um, you know, like you say, streaming services is a bigger and bigger piece of that pie every year. I mean, um, but you're absolutely right. Every time I get scan the most popular, it's, it's always the daily show. And, you know, the agents of shield and like all these shows that I hear, I mean, daily show pulls down good ratings, but I mean, you know, you keep hearing the shield. I mean, in the, in the, um, you know, the regular Nielsen ratings isn't doing as well, but you know, on, on streaming and online services like that, I mean, we cut the cable a little while ago at my house and all I have is Netflix and Hulu and broadcast and, uh, um, an antenna, a digital antenna. So, you know, I watch a vast majority of my stuff on Hulu or, or Netflix. Um, so yeah, it's got, it's going to be a bigger and bigger piece of the pie as years go by. Um, oh, uh, I saw the new show Salem. You guys heard about this? I heard about it. W. That's about the cat from uh, Sabrina, the teenage witch, right? (laughs) Not Sabrina, the teenage witch. Well, then I'm no longer interested. No, not Clarissa explains (laughs) it all either. Is it? Um, (laughs) uh, secret life of, uh, all of a sudden it's become a Melissa Joan Hart podcast. Wait, is that a, was (laughs) that, is that the TV spinoff of Hocus Pocus? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, no, it's about a, a people. It's about people that make menthol cigarettes in North Carolina. Sweet Salem. No, um, it takes place in the uh, you know 1600 Salem in the 17th century, and um, it's not as way over the top as American Horror Story Coven was, but it's got some of the same. It's covering some of the same ground. Uh, it's got like a drama layer as well as a spooky, creepy, supernatural layer going on. And uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, WGN produced it, the, you know, the Chicago Superstation. It's their first original series ever. And uh, that's uh, that's why I wanted to check it out. And the production value, I'd say, was, you know, probably around AMC level. Maybe a little less, but not, you know, noticeable. Not like, you know, not like Sci-Fi Channel Flash Gordon level or something. Uh, <laughs> well. But uh, it was it was a decent watch. I watched the first couple episodes. I think I'm going to stick with it. It was, it was pretty interesting. I'll, it's on Hulu as well. I'll have to check that out. Only good and great things come out of Chicago, so. Do either of you watch, uh, speaking of Chicago, do either of you watch Parks and Recreation? Okay, occasionally. I don't watch every episode, but uh, I pick it up now and uh, again. Are you current through the end of the yes, season, that, Rich? Yes, that finale was amazing. Let, let's go ahead and spoil it. I mean, I guess we're spoiling everything anyway. So, uh, three-year time jump. That was really surprising to me. It makes perfect sense, but... It, now, are they going to hold with that going into the next season? Because... Oh, they are because yes, I wasn't sure they're just giving us like a brief glimpse to the future, but then they're going to go back and take up from where the timeline's at. But uh, yeah, I, I I found so many things about that episode amazing. I, I love the whole concert thing that they did. Hologram, little Sebastian. <laughs> that was awesome. And Ben's reaction to that. Yeah, um, from what I've read, because there was an interview. Um, Alan Seppenwall of uh, the Firewall and Ice, Iceberg podcast did an interview with Greg Schur or Mike Schur right after um, right after the finale aired, and they said, "Yeah, they're definitely doing three years ahead. They might do a few flashbacks if they can work it in with John Hamm's schedule because they, they want to be able to have a little bit more with his character Ed, which I, I can't blame them. Um, but they're going to have some fun with it because it'll most likely be the last season, although they've been thinking that for about four years now." Um, they're going to have some fun with the future and maybe speculate a little sci-fi style with the politics and technology that might exist in 2017. Like, they, they've said specifically no hoverboards, but beyond that, they're going to try to have some fun with it. Well, and now, full disclosure, um, back in November when my company moved me, I had a few weeks off. I had never watched Parks and Rec. I binge-watched the entire series for about a week and a half and then have been keeping up with it this season, so... I just actually went back and rewatched everything from season two on myself over the past couple of weeks. I'm going back to season one as well, but it's just, it's not as good. So I'm not as interested, but I tell you, man, there is no comedy or really any show on TV that makes me cry as often as Parks and Rec does. Like it is the most positive, um, beautiful, funny show on t- TV. As far as I'm concerned, people who haven't seen it are, are legitimately missing out on just a pleasant and hilarious experience i i agree and i also i very much miss rashida jones so and that mid-season finale which now i mean counting that this is like the fifth time they've had to do a finale that might be the season finale because like every season for the last few has had a mid-season finale that they didn't know if they were going to be brought back for more episodes ever and that also worked really well as a series finale just like this would if it was if it ended up being that um but yeah, her and, and Chris, uh, Rob, Rob Lowe's character, were both fantastic, and it was a shame to see them go. 
But especially with what next season is going to be now, uh, it's it's a brand new show. You know, it's it's the same old show, but it's a brand new show at the same time. And I'm excited to see what that's going to bring. I love the the new office. It feels like a you know like a dragnet style 1940s or 1960s police precinct. Yeah, yeah. I, I I had missed out on watching that show and watching Community, and I went and at the same time I binge watched all of Community as well. And how I had never watched that show before, I don't know because it is right up my alley. So, which I was excited to see Abed in the Winter Soldier. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah pretty fun. Are uh, either of you caught up with Game of Thrones and or Mad Men? Well, I'm caught up with Game of Thrones. I'm caught up with Game of Thrones, except for the one that just aired a few minutes ago, because I need to watch it. But yeah, oh, that's right, it is Sunday. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> so yes, we're technically both behind a week on both Mad Men and Game of Thrones. Now, Matt, um, Mad Men, I have to ask you, what are you thinking? Because I have some opinions here, but uh, what are you thinking on Mad Men? I loved last week's episode. That was so tense. And because it is the last season, like they could have gone so many different ways with it, and they all none of them would have surprised me, but they would would all have surprised me if you know, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I think that particular status quo of how they ended um, is going to lead to some really interesting drama this season between, particularly Don and uh, who? What's the new guy's name? Lou. Lou. Um, who is like evil Mister Rogers or just jerk Mister Rogers? But. Uh, I'm excited for that. I, I like that they've kind of res- brought back Megan. I was afraid she was going to be gone. I like what they've done with Kiernan Shipka's character of Sally. I've always loved what they've done with Sally, but yeah. that, that episode, the Valentine's Day episode with her was so good. Um, yeah, I, I've been rambling. So what what are you thinking about this season so far? This, this last episode, I have to echo your sentiments on that, but I have to say that is the first good episode that they've had in over a season. I felt I have felt ever since the whole merger of the two companies and bringing Peggy back, which I like Peggy and I like her coming back. Just I don't know. It's got it got really convoluted, and last season was way too trippy. It, they got way too lost in the '60s in the last uh, series uh, season, and I don't know. It just it felt like a completely different show, and like it was just moving along from one episode to the other, just meh, and had it just paced wrong. It just it was. Are you counting the speed episode in that one though? Cause the speed episode. Well, was fantastic I, I will, I, I will give you that the speed episode was good, but all in all last, last season, I actually didn't even watch it as it was airing. I just let it build up on the DVR and went back and watched it because it literally was boring me. And then the, this season started the very first episode, the same thing. It just, just it, it was good to see them back, but it was just more, it felt like more of the same, but then now they they've spun it up. What are we three, three, four? How many are we? I think it's three, counting the one that airs tonight, or maybe four, counting the one that airs tonight. Because the last one, or maybe possibly the last two, finally have got my interest back. But I still, I don't know. And and last week, I I finally came to the realization. I've suspected it all along. Especially uh, when first X Men First Class came out, but I've suspected it all along. But I finally have come to the conclusion that January Jones is a horrible, horrible actor. <laughs> I, I think she. Oh, I, you know what? I just go, go ahead. You're in First Class to to tell you that, dude. That was the worst White Queen ever. Yeah, I think 
her her limited strengths work well for Betty, though. And maybe the exception of last season with the whole fat suit thing. That was weird. I mean, I will agree with you that last season did in many ways feel like a different show, but it was still a show I enjoyed, not just the speed episode. Um, it, it was weird seeing Don at his so far deepest, darkest moments, but I, I still did enjoy it, even though even though it did feel very different. Um, particularly the Sally stuff. Like I don't mean to harp on that, but she is so good. And that story of, you know, being part of the first teenage generation from her point of view is really fascinating to me. I I can get that. I can give you that. It's just, I don't know. I, I was trying to figure out what the point of last season was because it just felt like it was flowing from one idea to another without giving us uh, a good binding continuity to understand what is it we're supposed to get out of this season? Because to me, it, it felt like here's the 60s and this is how we're going to show it to you. And it's real trippy. It's real messed up. And um, here's what the guys on Madison Avenue were doing. And, <laughs> and you know, I already wanted that from the show that I'd been getting for three seasons that I thought was a phenomenal show. And then last season, just it just felt like it fell off the cliff. But but you you are like in what at least last week's episode, yeah, uh, Rich. yeah, yeah. Uh, it 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 finally because I, I will tell you before last week's episode, I was thinking I'm just going to let this all pile up on the DVR and I'll watch it in the summer. But uh, I went ahead and watched last week's episode. I was like, eh, well, let's see where it goes because now it's getting interesting again. Because I'm hope you know now, like you said, that whole drama between Don and Lou and everything that's going on with him coming back into the office. That seems like it's going to be interesting. What I'm hoping it means is it's going to undo all the crazy nonsense that has happened at that agency in the last season. Well, Ken's still going to have his eye patch. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which, all the better for it, because I, I kind of love that. It's every so weird. Every time he appears on screen, I just giggle a little bit. <laughs> I'm just like... Which is so horrible. Like I feel so bad for the guy. Oh, and what's the guy's name that's over the the media? Um, oh, uh, 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 it might be Richard. No, it's not Richard. It's. Uh, but you know uh, who I'm talking about? The guy that does the TV stuff and. Yeah, just the most smarmy, kind of quietly despicable guy. His whole thing with the computer and all that stuff last week, and when he came into that boardroom meeting and everything, that was. That was entertaining as well. Oh, yeah. So. I'm like, wait, they have a computer? Oh, okay, that explains why I haven't heard of it, because it doesn't exist, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, it's, it's 1969. What are they doing with a computer? A computer in 69 would have taken up their whole office space. Right, and they pretty much talk about that, yeah. Yeah, well, they're, they're referring to, I guess, some other ad agency has some massive computer bank that turns through the Nielsen numbers or whatever... Uh, and and decides you know what's good for what advertising and all that you know kind of like we were discussing before except for back then it was relevant because they didn't have streaming. So uh, let's bring Jim and Jim. You do watch Game of Thrones, right? I do. So uh, I do. what what are you guys thinking of the current season? Which I guess again, spoilers, spoilers. Uh, the king is dead. Long live the king. Wait, bef- before we get started, do either of you read the books? No. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because I don't, so don't spoil anything from the books for me. I won't do any of them. I won't. Don't worry about it. It was so funny, though, because when I, the reason I read the books is because when I saw the first season of Game of Thrones, I knew that eventually someone would be killing Joffrey. And 
I read the books as far up until the point where he gets killed. <laughs> Just to find out who was, who did it and where and when. But they don't really tell you who did it, so you had to keep reading. Um, but that's what spurred me on to read the books was to, to see when he died. Well, best I can tell, everyone killed Joffrey. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I. It's like Mr. Burns in the Simpsons episode, you know, who shot Mr. Burns? Exactly. I, I've, Everybody. I, I've been off and on wanting to read the books. I actually have the Kindle editions of all of them because at one point I was going to read them. I said, okay, screw it. I'm going to read it. Then the Red Wedding ha- happened. And the visceral reaction that I had of not breathing through the entire silent credits rolling at the end of that episode because I was in such shock, I decided I'm not reading the books. Until this is done, I'm not reading the books. So that's that's why I haven't read them. That's cool. I um. I remember seeing something on YouTube where there were like a group of twelve people, and like two of them read the books, and none of them, none of the rest of them had, and they. Well, I just put the camera on them to see their reaction to the Red Wedding. Oh. And, like, all ten of them, of course, freaked out, and the two people who read the books were like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I, I have to ask, though, then, because I read an article online this week that the end of last week's episode, the whole thing with the White Walkers and the baby and all that, that none of that has happened in the books yet. Yeah. No, it hasn't. George R. R. Martin added that, though, um, in, in show notes, I guess. And apparently HBO may have spoiled... Uh, kind of, uh, with the the Darth Maul-looking character that shows up there, they labeled him with a specific name, which I won't say, not that I can even remember it, but for people who are reading the books, that people have suspected is tied in with the White Walkers from the books, but never had any proof. And for at least a few minutes on their website, that character was labeled with that specific name, which, uh, and, and then it was taken down. But so pe- people are saying, that, yeah, that's a that's a big deal. And that was a cool ending, too. Also, um, the uh, uh, we were talking about Netflix before they um, they moved the the show, the Writers Room, that used to be on Sundance, I think, over to Netflix. Have you guys ever seen that show? I watched a number of the episodes from the first season that are up there now. Okay, um, it's basically uh, a screenwriter interviews other screenwriters about popular television shows. Well, it, it's about... Jim Rash, Dean Pelton from Community. Yeah, is, uh, right. the screenwriter. I just heard an interview with Jim Rash about that whole thing. I hadn't heard of it, and I just added it to my Netflix queue as well this week. So quite good the uh, Parks and Rec episode is great the uh, Breaking Bad episode. the Breaking Bad one is great and uh, the Game of Thrones was very good as well they were mentioning on that show that R.R. Martin had like taken them aside and told them kind of written out a uh, synopsis of you know, major plot points that in case he dies they'll be able to finish the story I also understand that the whole uh, that in the books Bran it's pretty much him just having these visions all the time, but they're leading towards uh, him and Jon Snow now, based on last week's episode. Their paths may cross, and apparently they don't in the book. So they're thinking that there's going to be a whole different way that the whole Starks and the brand story and everything's going to go. Because right now Jon Snow is on his way to where Bran is at. There's some interesting theories as to Jon Snow's parentage, too. I won't go too deep into him, but I mean, you can Google it online. Look for yourself. Arya, Arya has my favorite storyline um, coming up, though. Arya is my favorite character. She has been. My cat is named Arya because of her. I love that character, and I love the actress that plays her too. She does such a good job. Maisie Williams is great. Yeah. yeah she... Oh, does the one of the things I I would like to see is there going to be redemption for the Hound? 
That's what I'm curious about. He seems like, you know, he he there's more to there's more depth to him and that he actually has some bit of I give a crap about this girl kind of thing. But, you know, I, I he does stuff like he robs that farmer of his silver and whatnot. You know, I'm I'm just kind of curious, is he going to come around or what's going to happen with him? Because I like the character of the Hound and I like the interaction between him and Arya. So I'm kind of curious as to where that's going. But I'm also wondering, since it is George R.R. R. Martin and uh, I'm beginning to like that character, it means he's probably going to be killed off. So Not here, Generally, here's how I feel about Arrow, okay? I like the DC parts and I hate the CW parts. I'll agree with that. You know, it's like, like uh, the Suicide Squad episode is a great example. All the stuff of the Suicide Squad was was great, you know. But then they kept cutting, you know, back to him and his and his girlfriend, you know, who who knows karate and everything. He's like, oh, he's gonna try to get at me through you. I, I can't protect you, you know, in this giant loft apartment that's all windows. <laughs> you know? But you know, let's not go into that. Um, but you know, it's just like I, I like the DC parts of it, and but the CW like dealing with your feelings parts of it I don't like um as far as killing her off fine I mean I don't like I don't know she was running for mayor and that's gonna like queer the whole deal there so plot wise it'll play out somehow but uh I don't know I didn't really like I wasn't like oh my god they killed her you know yeah I wasn't either I mean on one hand I kind of wanted to see where the storyline between uh her and uh I'm drawing a blank the daughter uh well, she, they all have really CW names. They, too, uh, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see how that was going to play out, but ever since the whole "oh, I'm running for mayor" thing, this, I, I just, I understand where they were going with it, but at the same time, she just killed what was it, five hundred and some people, or she had a hand in that. She helped destroy right. a giant part of the town. I mean, to me. Yes, she was found innocent of it, but how are they? I don't know. And then I'm, I agree with you. Some of the CW of it, you know, like the the whole deal between her and the sister and her boyfriend, that stuff, I could do completely without. Um, right. Which I don't understand that because the DC side of it, he's speedy in the comics, not her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. overall, I, I've really enjoyed like the whole juxtaposition of the flashback storyline. Um, I thought that would get old after a while, and to some people, I think it has, but I really enjoy that. It's like following two different shows that cross over. And I'm with you on the, on, on the Suicide Squad stuff, because, I, I mean, I, I, I got giddy when I heard... Uh, Harley Quinn's voice. That was just awesome. I did too. I I had like a little silent squee to myself when I heard that. I'm like, ah, nobody's Harley Quinn. Yeah, but I, w- of course I didn't say that. Yeah, I was disappointed that we didn't get to see her though. But you know, well, do something for the future. Um, I don't like their Amanda Waller either. Amanda Waller should be a fat black lady. I'm sorry. Well, and that's just how I feel. I yeah, I I they call I her the wall. She should be like a wall, built like a wall. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I like like half the show. So I, I, that's why I don't watch it like, you know, um, you know, religiously, but I do catch it when I get a chance. And and neither of you watch Grimm? No, I don't watch Grimm. Uh, I've heard it's good, though. It is. You know, just, 
so many shows in so little time. Yeah, it it's one of those shows I, I didn't watch the first season, and then I went back and watched the first season, got hooked on it. And now, I mean, there's a little bit of a creature of a week, but they have an overarching story about uh, the royals and dealing with the Grimms back in Germany and everything like that. And now they've introduced a new female, younger, uh, just probably 18, 19-year-old girl who... She's thought she's been insane the whole time, but it turns out she's a Grim, and everybody's convinced her she's insane. And now Nick, the Grim of the show, is t- it, it's it's very interesting. I I highly recommend it. Um, it's one of those shows maybe to binge watch in the summer or something, but it's it's good. I know they put the the Young Justice cartoon is on the first season is on Netflix now. So oh, is it? And they threw the set. Yeah, and they threw the second season of the Venture Brothers on Netflix recently. So, I just watched Thirty Minutes to Midnight, or was it Thirty Minutes to Midnight? The one with the ignore me, that guy, <laughs> the Grand Galactic Inquisitor. Right, right. Ignore me. Pay no attention. Did someone lose a human baby? There's a baby here. <laughs> I have to say, I've I've never watched the Venture Brothers. Oh, sir, you are missing out. You would. Love right, it. Get off the get off the show right now and go watch it. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> the first two seasons is on, are on Netflix. Are seasons is the first two seasons are on Netflix right now. All right. Well, so, I will uh, add them to now my. Now you have no excuse. Yeah, you should definitely check it out, dude. Any anybody who is like any geek to them at all will enjoy that show. It's just, <laughs> uh, so any more any more TV? I was trying to think. I, I um, I've caught up on a few things, but. That's it. Uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, I I just watched the whole South Park trilogy uh, spoof of the Game of Thrones that led up to that video game. That was it was interesting, but uh, um, other than that, I don't I don't think there's really anything else. I really enjoyed Brooklyn Nine Nine this past season. That's done. It's been done oh, for a while now. So good. Best comedy on TV. I'm sorry, I love that. Certainly show. the best new one. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I have to agree, except for maybe it's a toss-up or a tie between that and Goldberg's, because I like them both really, really well. Uh, they, they both make me laugh, and I get the nostalgic feeling from Goldberg's. I'll throw out Broad City, too, because that's pretty funny. I hadn't seen that. Those, those girls are hilarious. I guess they started out as a web uh, show, and then they got picked up by Comedy Central. Uh, it's called Broad City. It's on Hulu. That's where I watched it. Uh, it's pretty funny. There's kind of two loser slacker girls in New York. Really, all you need to know <laughs> going in. The one girl works at a gym as the towel girl, and the other girl works at an uh, online startup that can't pay her. So, is that on Comedy Central? I think it's a yeah. I think it's on Comedy Central, but I saw it, I saw it on Hulu. Because I, I think the two of them were recently on Nerdist, and I listened to them talk about. It. Oh, here's a here's some a slightly different tick for uh, television, but. Uh, we had some late night shakeups recently. With uh, Letterman's going to be retiring, and then Stephen Colbert's going to be taking over for him. Uh, Craig Ferguson's going to be stepping down, which is a shame because he has just the strangest, craziest show on television. I love his show, I really do, and I'm kind of I'm really bummed to see it go. I mean, granted, Letterman's an institution, and you know, and and all that, but I mean. I've had Letterman for a long, long time. I mean, Craig Ferguson's show, I really enjoyed a lot. It just kind of gives zero Fs type late night show. You know what I mean? Um, just really, I, I, I just really like that late night show. I'm going to be sorry to see him go. 
Now, I heard he was stepping down, but did he give a reason? Ferguson? Well, his show is produced by Worldwide Pants, oh, the same people okay. as Letterman. And I also read that if he got passed over for Letterman's job, he got like a golden parachute of like 8 to $12 million. So, I mean, don't cry too many tears for him. But, <laughs> right, I mean, right. He, I mean, he, he's losing his show, but he, you know, they're giving him a nice severance. Well, maybe he, can, I'm just, maybe he can go train some more dragons or something. I just uh, I, the rumor I've been hearing though is that Chelsea Handler is going to take over that spot, and I hope that's not true because I really don't like her very much. I don't like her at all. Yeah, the whole story of how she got into her show, everything I have. Oh, I don't know that. I just don't think she's funny in late night stuff. I don't know if anybody else watches this. It's a very specific sense of humor um, that normally works for me. Doesn't work for everybody. But does anybody else watch the Pete Holmes show? No. I love it. I don't actually watch well, wait it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did he do the, the, the series of skits where the X-Men get fired? Yes. Okay, I've seen and those. And he's also Batman in the, the uh, college humor, or the funnier diaphragm who does them, but the, the, the terrible Batman skits where it's Batman is just a complete idiot. Oh, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, that's him as well. Okay. Um, and it's pretty much the same people behind those skits. Like, the guy who plays Commissioner Gordon is one of the main writers on the show and stuff. Um, it is... It's after Conan, I believe. And it is strange, but it it's very much his show. He does the podcast... Oh, his podcast is called You Made It Weird. And he's just... He, he's got a great comedy sensibility, a lot of great comedian friends. His comedy style is very down-to-earth... And not necessarily observational, but very positive, and it just, it's just—it's—it's a feel-good show for me. It's not everybody's sense of humor. I totally buy that. I totally understand that. It's not going to be for everybody. But uh, I watch his clips on YouTube, every single one he puts out, regardless of whether I have any interest in the person involved or what, because he is going to make that interview interesting and different and strange, and it's a lot of fun, so I enjoy it. But I know it's not a lot of people watch it, so I figured I'd give it a plug. What, where's it air again? Uh, I believe it's TBS. Whatever one airs Conan. Yeah, TBS, okay. I I generally don't watch any late night TV. I will just go through, sometimes I'm just sitting around doing nothing and I'll just uh, watch a bunch of YouTube clips of Conan, Ferguson, Fallon, things like that. It's rare that I actually watch the show. The only real late night show that I usually watch is uh, Graham Norton show on BBC America. Yeah, like I said, I just watch it on the, the YouTube clips, so um, I'm not usually... I'm usually awake, but I'm usually not out watching television when uh, when those shows are on. That was more of a college thing for me. But yeah, they're reaching a lot of audiences with their, their Hulu and YouTube clips and whatnot. Uh, I love the Brian Williams rapping bit that Fallon does. Yeah. <laughs> or Fallon, uh, Fallon's interns do. And Williams was on the show last week, and he was saying that... Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. at like a Knicks game or whatever uh, welcomed him into the hip-hop community. <laughs> exactly who you want I, to have do that, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, which I just thought was weird. But he, but Brian Williams is like, first of all, I never said the word hibbity. I never, <laughs> I never said that on the, on the newscast. And then he said, well, finally, he said, you know, you've had me do old school stuff. Why can't I do something new? Like, you know, hey, Weed Man, how come your stuff's so good by Luda, you know? <laughs> Like he dropped a few, uh, a few, a few songs. It was pretty funny. So it sounds like his daughter's dropping, uh, rubbing off on him. Then some. Did Did you see uh, Fallon had Emma Stone on the other night? And that was did... fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> that was the lip syncing battle. That was. And then uh, yeah. he had uh, Andrew Garfield playing the spider, the sixty Spider Man theme on guitar. Oh yeah, that was good too. That one. Yeah. 
there was a good lip sync battle with him and uh, um, Jiggles, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and uh, Stephen Merchant from Portal. Cool. I think that might have been the that was like the first or second one that at least I saw. Fan of my my three year old daughter is become enamored with the Batman sixty six series. Sweet, she loves the, the Adam West Batman. Yeah, every Saturday night we watch it together. I remember reading. Are we getting? We're fixing to get a home video, a uh, sanctioned home video. Finally, right? Yeah, yeah. They finally cut through the tape. I'm not sure when that's coming out, but it is supposed to be coming out soon. Cause, not already. Because I have my bootleg, you know, DVD collection. I got at a Comic Con once that. Right, and that's the only way you can get it for years. But uh, I would love to see, you know, what kind of special features and everything else they could get on that. I love Batman 66. I'm a huge Adam West fan. Okay, we've done movies, done TV. How about some video games? You been playing any video games? Um, I have. Not really. I have not not recently. Uh, I've played, you know, some of the little downloadable iPad stuff, but I haven't really gotten played any console games or anything recently. So I'll turn you on to a really good game that just came out on iPad that I played on PC called FTL. Have you heard of it? No. Yes, I have. It is so fun. Basically, what they do is they give you this little starship, right? And it's like an overhead view of the floor plan of the starship. You have like an engineering section and uh, you know oxygen section, missiles. You have different weapons and stuff. You have energy you can allocate. And you have to navigate this uh, the ship like across space, so it's kind of you know, your t- you know typical Star Trek setup or whatever. But it's like a, it's almost like a real time strategy game. You can pause it at any time to ch- change things up, but um, you know you run into space pirates and different scenarios to pop up. And the advanced version of FTL just came out on iPad, so I think it's only like ten bucks or whatever. But I've literally put like eighty hours into this game. I love it. Have you finished it yet? Because um, I know it's in- it's infamously hard. I have not finished the final boss yet. No, but and I've been playing on medium. I heard that that you know it's even hard to beat the final boss on easy. So, um, will it? It's super fun though. I like that kind of brain bending game more than Twitch games sometimes. Will it run on iPad One though? I have no idea. That, I'm not an Apple person. That's one of the things that uh, I'm running into because I have a first generation and a lot of stuff. Like I recently got the Walking Dead stuff on there and uh, it doesn't work. So, <laughs> uh, I, I really don't know, dude. I'm sorry. But that was a great game that just came to iPad. XCOM, another great strategy game that came to iPad. I'm trying to think of some good iPad games for you. I played this game just recently. I played the demo um, just the night before last um, from Ubisoft called Child of Light. Have you guys seen this game? Heard of, but have not seen anything. Uh, I would say I, I heard of it as well, but I, I saw it like in the Game Informer or something, but I haven't really seen anything on it. It just got released, uh, I think, Thursday or Friday, and I picked up the demo. It is one of the prettiest games I've ever seen. It looks like a hand-painted fairy tale um, storybook. It's just—it's beautiful. The art style is incredible. Each new area is still in the same art style, but like has a different flavor to it and a different uh, personality to it. The art direction is just incredible. It's one of the best-looking video games I've ever seen. And I'm not saying, you know, it looks hyper-realistic or anything. I'm just saying stylized, art-wise. Um, it's it's beautiful to look at. And the uh, the, the game itself is kind of half-platformer, half-old-school uh, RPG. Like, the combat is, um, is like, old-school Final Fantasy Chrono Trigger style. But the um, the actual traversal of the game is more platformy style. Um, 
It's by Ubisoft. It's only, I heard, I've read online, it only takes about 8 to 10 hours to finish, but it is like only a 10 or $15 downloadable. I'll probably end up buying it because uh, I was really impressed with the demo. It's just gorgeous to look at. It's just kind of one of those games where you like, you end up dying sometimes because you're just looking at it going, wow, that's so awesome. Oh, wait, I should have been paying attention to what was going on, you know. Um, but it's called Child of Light. It just came out from Ubisoft. And uh, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful game. Game-wise, I haven't really been playing much lately. Uh, usually, whenever I get an itch to play a video game, I'm breaking out, like, old Nintendo stuff. Uh, well, that's cool. Which Nintendo? Like, SNES, 64? See, I'm, I I don't know if you know this or not. I, I have a lot of classic video games and video game systems. Um, like, right now, I'm looking at my setup. I've got, I've got a Dreamcast, a PS1, a PS2, and my GameCube all hooked into my... TV right now, and I have like an Atari and other stuff sitting across the way, so I'm into the older older stuff too, you know. Yeah, well, sitting here in my my study here, I have my Atari 2600, my NES, my SNES, um, my PS1, my PS2, and then I've got somewhere a Dreamcast, but I don't have it out. Um, and then I've got all of the next-gen stuff up until I don't have an Xbox One or a PS4 yet. But um, no, do I. I love just sitting there. Whenever I just want to do something mindless and start playing, I'll break out, like, my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the NES. I love breaking out Mario 3. Mario 3? All right, all right. Here's the here's a classic video game debate for you. Ready? Okay. Super, Super Mario 3 or Super Mario World? 3. Yeah, me too. I, I, that was my first one, really. I like three. Um, I like I like the first one as well. Super Mario Two. I've you know I, I play it, but it's not as as fun as three. Uh, well, it's got different mechanics. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like. There's a game. I don't know how popular it was everywhere else, but I loved it when it came out, and I played all the time. Called Life Force. It's, you're just in this little ship going along. You're, it's basically inside this uh, organic living terrain, and you're just going through, shooting your way through and stuff. It's it's uh, like Defender on steroids is how I used to describe it, and I love breaking that nice. out and playing that. Um, I just uh, earlier today, I was playing Burger Time. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, on some of the next gen stuff, I mean, usually whenever I get out playing stuff, I haven't touched my Xbox 360 in a long time. Uh, but I, it, it, I, it's probably lonely. Yeah, I love. I, I only use it for like Gears of War type stuff. Um, mm. PS3 though, I I will break out my uh, Arkham stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I play anymore on there is the uh, Arkham games. So I'm not as big of a gamer as I used to be. So how about you, Jordan? You played anything good lately? Um, yeah, this last couple weeks have been pretty busy, so I haven't been playing a ton. I know they just released a new game on you know games for for live gold or whatever it's called for free. Something I wasn't particularly interested in, but I downloaded it. And then the next one that's coming out is Saints Row Three, which I already have, which is a great game, but I've already played it. So I've been going back to some old standards on mobile. Uh, Geo uh, Defense, Geo Defense Swarm. Still playing a lot of threes. Um, but yeah, this has been kind of a light couple weeks for video games since I like finished yeah. up Max Payne three and stuff, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, the free game they put out is uh, Dust and the Legion Tale. Dust, it's, yes, yes. It's kind of a cartoony platformer. Yeah, which I've heard good things um, about it. I just 
You know, yes, I'll, I'll play it. It's just not style. really my thing. And uh, I've been playing a lot of Dark Souls, which I like because it punishes me for attempting to play it. Like, how dare you try to traverse this area? We're going to kill your ass, like, five different ways. And sure enough, they do. It's one of the toughest games I've ever played, but it's super fun. It reminds me of, like, Ghouls and Goblins, the old school games that were just, like, really, really tough. You had to really put some time and effort and thought into them. Um, that's what Dark Souls is like for me. It's kind of like that that old school vibe. That's what I get from that. But I've been playing a lot of... Um, I started playing this game called Galactic Civilizations 2, okay? And I, I don't didn't do it lightly. A friend of mine recommended it to me because he knew I like Civ games, like, you know, Civilization... Sid Meier Civilization. And I got the game, downloaded it, set it up. There are literally two and a half hours of um, tutorials that you need to watch just to learn how to play this game. So I like I, re- I watched the tutorials, and I kind of think I somewhat have an idea of what this game is like. But uh, I've never had a game before where I had to like go to go to school to learn how to play it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, um... Yeah, it was like taking a college class to learn how to play. Because I mean, it's it's micromanagement and macro management, and, like all this, everything in between. Like you're you're managing down to like resources on planets, and then all the way up to like galactic scale empires and stuff that you slowly build. You, you could have there games of this there are games of this game that last two or three years. Whoa! Uh, because the galaxy, you can set the size of the galaxy, and one of the settings is immense. <laughs> So, I mean, it's it's really bizarre. It's like uh, it's like I'm taking a college class in this game. But uh, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not even sure if I enjoy it or not yet. I'm just trying, still trying to find my way. Oh, I played the uh, collectible card game by Blizzard, uh, Hearthstone. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I just got a demo set of that. And I haven't played anyone with it yet, but I've gone through it. That game is awesome. Yeah, I'm not even a digital card game. I'm not even a card game guy. I really kind of, the whole Magic and Pokemon things kind of, uh, you know, passed me by. But, I mean, this is really easy to pick up and learn and play. And uh, it's, it wasn't really, I didn't think it was like bogged down with a lot of rules or anything. The tutorial's super good. Um, I was up and running really quickly, so. Um, but, yeah, it seems to be uh, it seems to be a big addiction lately. I mean, it's free to play up to a point. Um, after if you want to play in the arena, if you want to buy extra cards or whatever, it's it's fairly reasonable. But it's free to play up to a point if you want to get a, you know, a taste for it. Are are either of you much into tabletop games? Or I play every once in a while. I've played Munchkin and Catan and Carcassonne and a few other things, but um, not as much as I'd like to be. Yeah. My Jersey Shore co-host Pierce is really big into that, so I'll play some with him. But myself personally, not huge. Although I do really like Munchkin. I love the Munchkin games, and they have a whole... Steve Jackson Games has a whole line of new ones that are fixing to come out, I think, in the fall. And I'm looking forward to that. I have every set of the Munchkins. I love Munchkin, but... Um, I Yeah, I've kind of reverted. When I was a kid, I wasn't as much into tabletop games or any type of board games and stuff. I was more into the video games, and now I've kind of reversed that. I play video games eh, every once in a while, but more tabletop games. I was down in Texas a few weekends ago, and there was a store in this mall. It was a I don't, just an eclectic store of many different types of things, but mostly calendars. But they... <laughs> But they were going out of business, and they were having a huge uh, uh, 75% off sale, and I got the Walking Dead Risk game 
for 75% off. And I haven't had a chance to play it with anyone yet, but I've gone through it. It's a very interesting take on Risk. So um, I look forward to playing that soon. Sounds pretty cool. They just uh, opened a place here called Mr. Nice Guy's Games. And uh, it's a giant uh, room, and they sell... um, you know, Magic the Gathering cards and, and stuff like that, but they also saw a lot of board games, and, and they have the other half of the room is just tables. It's going to be a big thing around here, you know. Yeah, I've been... I, I mean, I, I watch I watch Tabletop with Will Wheaton once in a while. Yeah, I do like that show. Yeah. I've played Magic the Gathering since beta back in 93, 4, whenever it was, and uh, I just recently, in the last year or so, stopped really playing that i've played in tournaments all around the country and stuff like that i really enjoy magic the mechanics of the game everything about it it's just it's very interesting it's it it's not quite the intellectual level of chess but you have to think ahead like you do with chess um it's 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 i really really enjoy playing magic it just became something that uh caused my wallet to have screaming fits over so i kind of had to stop so yeah my one of my line cooks at gypsy was big into magic and he, he kept trying to get me to play and i just uh it, it, i i played a lot of D back in the day when i was when i was younger so I, it kind of once i passed that i kind of felt like it was kind of thrown back but he was always trying to get me to play uh, magic the gathering and i really like the art of the cards and that's pretty cool well that's how it started for me was the group i gamed with on weekends dungeons and dragons back in the late 80s through the early 90s that's what we would do before while we were waiting for everyone to show up as we started playing this new game called Magic the Gathering and it just kind of took off from there cuz we we'd play that while waiting to get started in Dungeons and Dragons. Sweet. Uh do we have any other BS we want to cover today or are we all BS'd out? I think I'm BS'd out. Yeah. Wow. That's hard to believe with you guys. <laughs> So that's it for this week's show. Once again, we want to welcome uh, Richard to the show. Uh, we, we can't wait to have even more content from him because uh, he's an old friend, and uh, we're, we're happy to have him quite a bit. So you can leave us a voicemail at 972-798-3830. That's 972-798-3830. Or you can send us an email. You can send us an email at LOD at HHWLOD.com. Check out Half Hour Wasted on Mondays and all of our other great shows at HHWLOD.com. And check out the Walking Dead TV podcast at walkingdeadtv.com for our in-depth coverage of both the TV show and the comic. Uh, and don't forget to check out all of our other great shows at hhwled.com like I already said. You can follow us on Twitter at LOD Tweet and at hhwlod underscore network. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. Jim is at Yoda Jones. And Rich is at Chubtoad01. That's Chubtoad01. Wow, I can't, can't believe you got the first one there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, you must be pretty pretty impressed with yourself there. First edition. <laughs> there we go. So until next time, have a great one, everybody. I almost expect you to say when there's no more room in hell and the dead one on the earth. <laughs> so until there's no more BS, and we go back to whatever we were doing.
And for the poor you may be sure that he'll do all he can Who is this one? Whose favorite son? Just by his action has the traction magnets on the run Who likes to smoke? Enjoys a joke And wouldn't get a bit upset if he were really broke With wealth and fame He's still the same I'll bet you five you're not alive if you don't know his name